0: And Luke, We could create a whole world in the mind of the listener simply by using sound effects. Ron Wolfley. <coughs> Luke Lipinski. Huh.
1: Wolf and Luke.
0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station.
1: Hour number two of the show live from the ak Community Studios. Tim Ring is in for Wolf today, and we're going to switch back over to basketball. This is Bobby Marks talking about a potential Brooklyn-Philadelphia trade yesterday. The pieces are there, certainly, when you look at Harris and Maxey and and Thibel for Durant. But from a draft pick perspective, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to trade uh, uh, Kevin Durant to a team in your conference... You want Jalen Brown back, right? That's the guy that you want back in a deal and you want draft picks. This, for me, uh, doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, you know, that was Bobby Marks. Um, to me, Tim, where this story took a little bit of a change this week was that TV story that, uh, that that Boston is another preferred destination of Kevin Durant. Again, this is all kind of secondhand stuff, but SNYTV is not like some random blog. That's that's a pretty reputable place. And also the uh, the talk that Philadelphia could get involved in this. So I'm kind of glad to hear him say what he just said. I still think if, if everything was even, if everybody had the same chips to trade, I still think Durant wants to come here, and it makes it makes a lot of sense. But Philadelphia offering potentially Tobias Harris, uh, Tyrese Maxey, and Matisse Thybul. That's fine. Is that really better than Mikkel Bridges, Cam Johnson, and a bunch of picks? I mean, you could have that discussion for two hours. Pretty even, I would say. Yeah, you go back and
0: forth on that. Jalen Brown tr- presence in a deal on a Boston Trumps anything yep. these Suns can offer. Yes, and I'm pretty sure the Miami Heat can probably put together a better basketball trade package for Durant. Uh, Any combination of players that might trump a Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges combo. I I think I think New Orleans and Boston are the two that could really do it. New Orleans definitely can. I mean, you you include Brandon Ingram in any kind of deal, and we saw that firsthand in the playoffs. That guy's a budding superstar. Um, So it goes back to leverage with Kevin Durant. You know, he doesn't have any leverage. But the fact he has no leverage right now with the Nets, who's to say he wouldn't try to throw leverage around with any of these other teams to try to wedge his way? to Phoenix with an inferior deal. Now, if Durant's perfectly happy going to Boston or Miami? That's the problem. Is then, I think I, it doesn't then,
1: sound like he's like anti-Boston.
0: Then then I think Phoenix is going to just have to put this thing to bed. It's just not going to happen. I think really the roots of all of this falling apart in terms of Durant going to the Suns it, to me Luke, I think, really fell apart when the Nets had no interest in DeAndre Ayton. That was the Suns' biggest chip in the offseason. Well,
1: and I think Indiana offer sheeting DeAndre Ayton really because you could at but least
0: before before that I mean, this, when when the when the when the Suns could have done a sign and trade with De, the DeAndre Ayton involving some kind of package, either in a three way deal or a straight up deal with the Nets. The Suns offer DeAndre Ayton his age, his ability, the fact that he is on the doorstep of being an all-star player was the most attractive trade piece for any potential
1: team, certainly in a deal
0: for Kevin Durant. Well, especially as soon as because the Nets said, could, we don't want
1: Durant. But you could have feasibly shipped him to Utah, and Donovan Mitchell could have gone to Brooklyn. Like There were at least ways around that. But it, so got, that much,
0: it, it got that much harder, though, yes. to orchestrate it,
1: something. It's, it's, it is starting to get harder now, whereas for a while I felt like, okay, this is a step that needs to happen. Kevin Durant needs to want to play for Phoenix specifically. Oh, he does. Kevin Durant needs to request a trade. Okay, he did. Kevin Durant needs to kind of force a trade, which he did, I feel like, last weekend. But you're right, the Ayton stuff, which really no. should have been a, an asset for you, hasn't been an asset we
0: needed for sh- you. As soon as Kevin Durant requested the trade and said, Phoenix is my top list of destinations, the next domino that needed to fall was Sean Marks had to say, we covet DeAndre Ayton. James Jones, let's... Put together a package that revolves around DeAndre Ayton, potentially another player, maybe a Cam Johnson or a Mikel Bridges, and a series of draft picks, and let's get this deal done. We don't need a third team. Let's
1: put this thing together, send Durant to Phoenix, we'll take back a package of players and picks. If this doesn't happen... It, it is, when when you take a step back and, and do what you're doing right now, not, okay, well, you know, what's, on August 12th, do you feel like it's going to happen? It, it's, it's, it's waning, honestly. I feel like it's waning. I don't think it's done, but I think it's waning. But on, the, like, the weekend of July 4th, a couple days after Durant had requested that trade, remember the Suns, like, odds to win the title shot up? The Suns' odds to get Durant were, you, you almost couldn't even put money on him because it was, it was pointless. You'd put 50 bucks to win 10 or something. Like, they were the heavy favorites to get Durant. If we get to the point where he gets dealt to Boston or whatever, we're going to look back on this, maybe not right now, but in like four or five, six years as one of those like, wait, how did they not get Durant? And I'm not putting that on James Jones. It's just there was a moment there that had been building and really kind of hit the, the peak of, of possibility back on June 30th, that first week of July, that now it's like, are they really not going to get Durant out of all this? As crazy as it first sounded that you would get Durant, there was a time there it was like, yeah, they should be the front runners. Here's the other thing about the, the Jalen Brown, even though he's
0: the best potential player going to the Nets, the Nets have already turned that trade down. And I think part of the reason is, despite the fact Brown might be the best potential player they could get, you're not going to trade Durant to a division rival. That's insane. You don't want to trade him down the street, like literally down the street, a train ride
1: away. To a team that just swept you out of the playoffs. I mean, it's insanity. It's absurd. Durant does like to go to the teams that just eliminated him that, from the playoffs. Right,
0: though. That's not good business. I mean, yeah. if anything, you get him to the West, you don't probably even want to set him to the heat.
1: I, I want to quickly get to – you didn't actually vote before, so I'm going to go back to the okay. poll question. Okay, So this is the poll question, and the result's kind of overwhelming. And honestly, I did this just for my own sense of like where we're going to – how I can think about this conversation going forward. And some of the comments back are like, yeah, I'm, I'm still all in on Durant. Some of some, A couple of people are like, it's probably not going to happen, and I don't want to talk about it anymore. Your options, where are you with Kevin Durant to the Suns at this point? Your options are, I'm over it, just run it back. Get him, but not if you have to give up Bridges. Get him, but not if you have to give up Aiton. Or go all in, it's Kevin Durant. So you, Tim Ring, what is your vote?
0: I got to say right now, my goal is to win a championship. I'm not thinking what's best in five years or ten years down the road. My goal is what's the best roster and chance to win a championship next year and the year following and that is to have Kevin Durant on this basketball team while you still have Chris Paul playing at a somewhat high level which I assume hopefully fingers crossed will still be the case I am all in on Kevin Durant that is I am not sure this team running it back without JaVale McGee after what I saw in the playoffs last year out of not only the Suns but the Golden State Warriors as well yeah. and with the Bucks getting healthy again. I, I'm not sure the Suns have enough to win a title. I, so so I, I want to win a championship. Yeah, Durant, that's give, what it's all about. You have right? a better chance to win a title next year and the year after with Kevin Durant than without him. So I'm all in on getting Durant and if you have to take some shrapnel four or five years down the road because of that,
1: then so be it. That's uh, that's third in, in the voting right now. I'm over it. Run it back is running away with it with almost 50% of the vote. So, <laughs> Suns fans. Second is, yes, get him, but don't give up Mikel Bridges. So, I think there's a lot of, we don't want to give up Mikel. Suns fans
0: have negotiated with themselves already to, to, to resign to the fact that he's not coming, so they've talked themselves into why that's I, going I, to be I better. I will say, though, and it that's is, okay.
1: it's easy to talk yourself into it's going to be okay without Kevin Durant when you have a team that just won 64 games. Now, I hear what you're saying. It's not the exact same team but you still have the core. All right, we come back. We'll take you through the latest news around the National Football League. A couple more preseason games last night. It really gets going tonight and this weekend. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim ring in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7
1: FM, Arizona Sports Station. good time to go around the NFL with uh, preseason getting into full swing here tonight. This weekend, there were a couple games last night. We... <laughs> I marvel at the fact that the Baltimore Ravens have won 21 preseason games in a row. I brought this up uh, when, when Wolf was in here yesterday. I think I brought it up to Lorenzo, too. I, I have a friend that was like, I'm going to bet on a preseason game a couple days ago. I was like, why are you betting on a pre? Like they don't don't the, the teams don't care who wins. And he's like, well, Baltimore's won 20 games in a row, so they must care. And then they went out there and won again last night over Tennessee. That's got to be a fluke
0: one I mean, in a row. Got to be. It goes
1: I, back to 2016.
0: I mean, those those games many times are decided again in the third and fourth quarter by guys that are not even. The crazy thing roster afterthoughts. When I, it's all
1: said. I agree, but the crazy thing is most of these Ravens wins are blowouts, so the fourth quarter doesn't even come into play. It's it's just the strangest story. Malik Willis, though, played in that game last night. The Liberty quarterback, who a lot of people thought might be the best quarterback in this not highly rated draft class, he played for a little bit against uh, or for Tennessee rather against Baltimore. So,
0: all right, there you go. Maybe Johnny Harbaugh game—he secretly game plans for preseason. That's games. Kind of what I'm
1: wondering. Maybe he's like, "This is our chance." Uh, no Lamar Jackson in that game, and Jeremy Fowler on why exactly does he not have his new contract yet? Well, they're still talking. I was told the Ravens have at least come up a little bit in the last few weeks since that
0: Kyler Murray deal went down and sort of uh, reignited the quarterback market. They have tried. They are trying. It's my understanding is there's a gap in the structure of it, the guarantees of it. You know, Lamar, I don't know the exact numbers he's looking for, but from what I've heard, it's, you know, he, he's kind of going for that Deshaun Watson line of thinking, right? There, there's a comp out there for a quarterback getting 100% guarantees. So um, you'd rather that than say 40% or 50% guarantees. So I think Lamar is looking for a, that kind of structure uh, that's going to lock him up to some guaranteed money down the road. I just don't know if Baltimore's going to get there and be able to do that.
1: I had sort of assumed that Lamar Jackson wanted to wait and see what Kyler got so he could negotiate and say, OK, this guy got this much. I'm a league MVP. Like, I get a little bit more than Kyler. But that was now a few weeks and Lamar still doesn't have a deal. You know what? Luke, I got to tell you. Can I speak frankly with you? Uh, go ahead. Just for this sports, segment, though.
0: Sports agents aren't my favorite people in the world. <laughs> I hadn't gathered that. Lamar Jackson probably needs himself an agent. Well, I mean, I think probably, the price is going up. Probably, probably would help. Right. The price is going up. But just to get the dang thing done, Lamar, like, you know, with all due respect to your mom, who's kind of helping you with this thing. You, you might want to get yourself an EB. Get yourself an Eric Burkhart. You can get out the all caps typewriter and get yourself a deal done. The all caps typewriter and and get yourself <laughs> like a, one of those stenographer make, things. Make yourself one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the league before you blow your Achilles out on a cutback run in a game this September. Well, that's
1: that's it, it right? the deal done. He has, whether intentionally or not, and I, I'm, I'm going to say intentionally, I think he's been smart about it up to this point, he, his price has gone up. He didn't try and rush into a deal back in February. However, the games start now in a few weeks. Yes. So if if we're still having this conversation and it's week two of the season, I'm going to be like, okay, you run more than any quarterback. Exactly. You get hit more than any quarterback. You need to get a deal done. Uh, um, uh, Deshaun Watson, that decision the Browns were hopeful might come down by the end of this week. Well, today's Friday. I guess it could still come down today. But Diana Rossini says NFL's not really in any rush to give uh, Deshaun Watson the decision he wants.
2: Maybe this is just the Browns saying, let's go. Let's get this, go- you know, let's move this along. Um, which is completely feasible, by the way, and totally feasible. And I could see that being being on the table for them. But the sense I'm getting is the league isn't feeling rushed to make a decision because of this. I think they're okay with a Friday night preseason game where Deshaun goes goes out there, plays a series or two, you know, comes and goes and, and, and we move on while while the league just continues to make a decision. But I, I just think the fact that there's no chance of him playing at all week one, right? Because the NFL PA never appealed those six games, the six games are going nowhere. So he has to he'll be out first six games, no matter what happens here
1: with this appeal. Yep. Uh, Cleveland plays Jacksonville at 4 o'clock this afternoon. So, there was that report out there from the AP last night that Watson is willing to accept eight games and a $5 million fine, which, yeah, when you get $230 million guaranteed, I'm guessing right. $5 million, okay, not really a big deal. But to me, Tim, the bigger thing is, that says he's got a six-game suspension. If he's willing to accept eight games when he only has six games, that, to me, sounds like the NFL may be serious about out double digits or even the whole season
0: well they and they know that's coming because it's almost like it's not even willing to accept it's like well just give us eight just get yeah. just give us eight and uh, how about a five million dollar five we'll take eight that's, that's eight, 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 eight good? Everybody's
1: happy. No, right? no, no, that's no,
0: it's not good. We're, we'll get to you in a second, Deshaun. We're not ready to quite give down the, the full punishment. Yeah. No, they're, they... How about eight?
1: eight? Eight good? Well, hey, it's good. I'm writing down a number on this piece of paper. I'm going to slide it across the table. You're not going <laughs> to like it. Uh, what's the story you have on the Commanders? You just found it right before we are going to the segment, so I don't have it's, audio It's
0: crazy. It. I, I encourage anybody to go to Twitter. It's... You know, it's, it's a little bit media-based, but it's something you don't always see. Jason Wright is the president of the Commanders, works for Daniel Snyder. So, a local sportscaster, and we can't play the audio because we just found it, a local sportscaster for the ABC affiliate named Scott Abraham was sitting down with Carson Wentz, quarterback of the the Commanders, in a one-on-one training camp interview. And Jason Wright took exception, the president of the Commanders, to uh, Abraham's questions and went on Twitter and said, thankfully, Carson demonstrated grace and class in response to this pompous, unprofessional mess. I recognize you have made a living on a childlike provocation, but it needs to be called out. Don't expect special access and good luck building rapport with the guys at Scott 7 News. Oh, he even did the at Scott 7 News. And I'm like, my gosh, what did Scott Abraham say to Carson Wentz? So I watched the two questions that Jason Wright took exception to. Yeah. And I'll paraphrase the two questions. One, uh, Carson, it's been reported on that you've been inaccurate throwing the football in camp. Would you categorize that as, as correct? How would you categorize uh, your accuracy this camp? That was question one. not terrible. Not terrible. Uh, Second question was, uh, Carson, uh, Philadelphia didn't want you. The Colts didn't want you. Do you feel this is your last opportunity to be a starting quarterback in the National
1: Football League? It's a little dicier the way he phrased it, but it's not like you lose your accent.
0: As someone who has done that job for a gazillion years, those phrases, those questions could have been phrased probably... Uh, a little more tactful, It was a one-on-one, too, we should
1: say. It wasn't like a media scrum no, where it was you're just a one-on-one. yelling out the you questions.
0: probably could have not been as harsh with the didn't want you, this team didn't want you.
1: It you did probably, seem a little bit like, hey, look at me, look what I'm You probably could have
0: said, listen, Carson, it didn't work out in Philly, it didn't work out in Indy. Do you feel like this is your final shot at being a starter? Instead of the didn't want yeah. you. But still, for a president of a football team, to come down
1: on a local... Jason Wright's not messing around.
0: Especially, and now the Twitter comments, this is not me, the Twitter comments basically are the you work for Dan Snyder and you've got a problem with this. That's
1: that's a different issue. Like clean
0: clean up your own house, Jason Wright. Before you go after a sportscaster for phrasing a couple of questions you didn't quite like.
1: I want to get to this, too. This is Bill Belichick. Uh, They still haven't decided who's calling the plays in New England. And they had a game last night. Here's Bill. Do you know if
2: one will call plays when the regular season arrives? Yeah, well, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work it out. So have you decided? We, we're going through a process, just like everything else on this team. I just
1: like how he says, don't worry don't about, worry about that. That. Like, that. Don't lose sleep over that. We're going to work it out. Could
0: you? I mean, you could pretty much answer every media member's question with that. Don't if, worry about if that. If you're a head coach. <laughs> Magic Cliff Kingsbury, uh, Coach, um, just curious about uh, Andy Isabella this Friday night. Do you think he'll get significant reps, and, and what do you see his playing time? No, don't, uh, don't worry about that. Don't that? worry about that. Yeah, no, go
1: go go home, get
0: some sleep, <laughs> Coach. Uh, how's Kyler Murray's wrist? Is he is he improving? Don't worry about that. Yeah, no, you've
1: got another. You other, you've got bigger you, things. Don't on worry. Your I mean,
0: every single question can be answered.
1: <laughs> don't worry about that. <laughs> that is Belichick. There's a catalog of great Belichick right. answers. That is one don't of the best. That.
0: Hey, Coach, uh, how did the team look today in uh, day day eight of camp? Don't worry about yeah, that. Yeah, don't
1: have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, he, but he said it in such a way where it wasn't like like you're talking to like, hey, don't worry about this. It was like. No, I don't want you to stress out of it. the <laughs> Wolf and Luke show. Tim ring in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff
0: 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 sold and Kona Brewing. You can see in the NFL the trend of guys that most teams know are going to start on getting a lot of work in the preseason anyways, and so it's been good for the the young guys to be able to show what they can do and get the majority of the reps. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station.
1: Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Welcome back to the show. Wolf is in Cincinnati right now. Tim Ring is in for Wolf. And since Wolf isn't here, Paul Calvisi agreed to come on the show. So he's joining us right now on the Arizona Sports Line. That was nice of Paul. Paulie, play by play. What's going on, Paulie? Yeah, Paulie is doing play by play tonight uh, on the radio broadcast. Paulie, how's it going?
2: Yeah, not daunting at all. Dave Pash, you know, a top five play-by-play guy on the pa- uh, planet. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, uh, he makes it sound very easy and I try to prove, uh, otherwise. So we'll see. We'll see how this all goes, especially when there's a hundred guys in this roster no one's ever heard of, right? And so, uh, speaking of Pash, by the way, um, I've, I've thoroughly had enough of everyone wishing Dave Pash a happy birthday. I mean, it's just, it's gotta stop. We gotta play some football here and, uh, you know, there, there's two things that are just been interminable so far. Our, uh, Pasha's birthday palooza all week. And then the Dick Vermeil Hall of Fame speech. Two things that just won't end. So hopefully uh, we can kick this thing off sooner than later. <laughs> uh, all right, Polly we've, we've talked to you uh, quite a bit when we were
1: out there, obviously at camp uh, at the beginning of this week and last week. But now with kickoff uh, about five hours away, is there one or two things that you're specifically dialed in on for this game?
2: Yeah, cornerback, Uh, you know, not just Marco Wilson who seemingly is on double secret probation. Uh, I mean, the first player I think we can all remember in the Cliff Kingsbury era to, to really be, be called out. And, uh, you know, the jury is still out, I think, is the quote we've heard a few times. So so Marco Wilson, who honestly, you put your finger to the wind, might have been passed on the depth chart by Antonio Hamilton right now. Yeah. So you, you're going to see a lot of Marco Wilson tonight. I think they want to see a lot of Josh Jackson. You know, what's the deal there? Uh, is that someone they can count on? You know, you really don't have a... A good feel of whether these guys can tackle either. It's like, can receivers break a tackle? You don't know, not yet, because no one's tackling to the ground in training camp. Can the corners tackle in in space, in in the open field? So I think, and then Christian Matthew was someone that Cliff Kingsbury cited as as being curious to see the seventh round rookie who has all the measurables at at 6'2. All right, what does he look in a game? Uh, Obviously, the Bengals, no one's expecting them to go with their big trio of receivers who they they contend are the best uh, threesome receiving threats in the league. But I uh, can get a sense there. And then obviously, Zayvon Collins, uh, who could play as much as the first half. And then what does he look like? Um, because if he's struggling to read and react in a game like this, when the offense is running vanilla schemes and you're going against primarily backups, then there might be reason for concern. And I think... Yeah, the coaching staff is trying to figure out, can we trust Zavin Collins as a middle linebacker? And tonight we'll go a long way in answering that, I believe.
0: Paulie, I said something very, very lame in a joking manner about Eno Benjamin earlier in the show, and it was, I'll repeat it, oh, no. <laughs> because I have no shame. And it was, we've heard all this, we've seen all the smoke, uh, now it's time to see the, see the fire. Uh, the All the talk about Eno Benjamin in the off, off season. We get to see him on the field tonight right now for the first time, uh, the new and improved Eno Benjamin. Uh, Your expectations for not only Eno, uh, but how his performance plays into the running back room, which is an interesting dynamic because you signed a guy in the offseason that you expected to make the football team, Uh, and then you draft a guy, and you usually think that guys that are drafted have somewhat of a leg up to stick around for at least a year or two. So your thoughts on Eno in the running back room?
2: Yeah, I mean, there was so much props and praise and plaudits for Eno in the offseason. And I started to get a little suspicious, Tim. I'm thinking, wait a minute, are they trying to pump up his value so they can trade him? <laughs> That's what and, I was. Then, was it I like Dave Pass's
1: birthday all over again.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you know. And so you realize, okay, wait a minute, what's going on here? But uh, you know, two things. One, he was legitimately in Cliff Kingsbury's doghouse for for more than a year, probably his first two years to the end of last season. And then number two, uh, he has made he has made corrections. He, he's, he's reliable in his playbook now. He's reliable in pass protection. And so, okay, he's gonna get he's gonna get a lot of reps. But you guys are right, it's probably the most loaded position group, right? Musical chairs, there's gonna be a running back left standing. Who's it gonna be? Honestly, at this point, it easily could be Jonathan Ward. As As great as he is on special teams, if one of these undrafted rookies comes along, like a Javante Payton, a John Kirkland, who I guess are special teams demons, uh, if those guys come along and, and, and maybe grab a spot, Jonathan Ward could maybe be in jeopardy. We'll see. I think it's a big game for him tonight. Uh, Daryl Williams, I don't expect to to see him, but Keontae Ingram, man, he's look good and he's intriguing. He he told me when he was at Texas, he was two forty plus, and then he went to USC with a totally different system. Uh, for the Longhorns, they were using him more as a fullback, and he, he really didn't like it. And he went to USC, and uh, he, they used him in a much different way. He got down under two twenty, which is where he's at right about now. And I mean, he's made every catch, and he's made a lot of defenders look stupid in space. So we'll see about this, this running back rotation. Because, look, guys, down the stretch last year, for everything that didn't happen on offense, and, yeah, we can blame a lot of it on DeAndre Hopkins, there's no doubt when Hop isn't on the field, they saw a lot different defensive philosophies and defensive coverages, and it wasn't as easy to diagnose if you were Kyler Murray. I get that. But the running game wasn't nearly as potent down the stretch. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I think over the second half of the season, there was one game where both James Conner and Chase Edmonds were healthy and able to be that one-two punch. So if Eno can be that guy, because he's truly the one body type and skill set guy who can be closer to a Chase Edmonds, get the, you know dump it down to him, make someone miss in space, and, and just be that dynamic threat out of the backfield catching the ball, Eno can be that guy. And so, uh, once again, he, 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 has, he has made the most progress out of Cliff Kingsbury's doghouse to now getting a lot of compliments.
1: Talking to Paul Calvisi, Paulie. we talked to Wolf earlier. He said there's, there's some talk maybe Zayvon Collins may play the entire first half tonight. And on the flip side, Isaiah Simmons, at least from kind of what we're hearing, may not play at all tonight. Is that? Do we read anything into how far apart those two are? I guess the first part of the question is, do you think we're going to see much Isaiah Simmons in this preseason?
2: No, I think now at this point they know what they have. And by that I mean not just obviously the player and the playmaker, but I think they know how they want to use him. There's no more experimenting going on. They're going to use him all over the field. And there will be a little bit at inside linebacker. We've seen it at times during some of the open sessions at camp where Zavin and Isaiah Simmons have been right next to each other at inside linebacker. But we've mostly seen Isaiah Simmons as that hybrid guy. That's what his teammates call him, the hybrid player and whether he's in the slot or he's mugging the A or B gap or he's coming off the edge or he's at deep safety he's just going to be that headache for a quarterback to have to wonder and worry about where is he coming from, where is he they want to get him in space so he can go sideline to sideline and even he admitted to the media when he's inside and trying to read the pulling guards that's not his forte. He hasn't had a lot of experience doing that. And if the D line isn't keeping the O line off those inside linebackers, well, at his size and body type, he doesn't a real good job with with that straight ahead run stuffing. So I think they figured out how they're going to use Isaiah Simmons, and it's going to be dynamic, no doubt.
1: Polly, great stuff. Good luck on the call tonight with Drew Stanton. We'll be listening. Okay, guys. Thanks, buddy. That's Paul Calvisi joining us on the Arizona Sports Line. Now, I just worked myself into a corner because I told Polly we'd be listening, and I told Wolf we'd be watching. So <laughs> You can do both. I guess, technically, I could do both, couldn't I? You just don't have to listen to Wolf. You Maybe just watch. Just go back and, and forth to to with each play. All right, so, uh, <laughs> when we come back, which Cardinals players need this preseason the most? We'll give you some names next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring, in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.
0: Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. Coverage presented by 72 Zones and Kona Brewing. The home of Arizona Cardinals football. 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports
1: station. Camp Takeoff 2022 with Wolf and Luke. Tim Ring is in for Wolf today as Wolf gets ready to call the game tonight with Dave Pash, Cardinals and Bengals from Paycor Stadium in Cincinnati.
2: We're on to Cincinnati.
1: How about we just change the names of stadiums every like six weeks, it feels
0: like? I gotta be honest. I, you know, when I was a kid, Luke, and even into my 20s, you could just give me a team, any sport, and I would rattle off their stadium in 1.2 seconds. Really? This morning I had to look up
1: where the Bengals well, played. That, that just changed, like, I, like I know, a couple of days ago. Right? Oh, was it a couple yeah, of days ago? It was this some point this offseason.
0: I mean, yeah. I, I, I would have not in a million years would I have gotten that before seven a.m. this morning. Yeah, well, Paycor see Now you know. <laughs> but what was it before that?
1: No idea. Yeah, it's a little bit tougher when there's right? all the corporate sponsorship. I'll give exactly. you that. It's not like we're talking ap- about Wrigley Field. Right. Or- My
0: apologies to all the Bengals fans out there right
1: now. We can immediately rattle it off what it was before pay court but I could not tell you. Uh, so this is how I think we should approach this segment. Let's go through and let's just kind of – we'll go back and forth. You throw out a name. I'll throw out a name. Players that need this game tonight and you know the game against Baltimore and the game against Tennessee the most. And, and, and look, it's obviously guys that are never going to make the team could use this game to – Get their name out there or whatever, but guys that are kind of maybe fringe players that really need these, okay. uh, these guys that
0: we're looks. not necessarily excited to watch, like a uh, myJ Sanders. But you you're saying guys? Speak for that, yourself.
1: I'm all in on myJ No, but you,
0: you think guys that like need to make to the team? Need just to, guys, yeah. To pop.
1: All right. I, I'm gonna. I, I'm not gonna have any rookies on my list, but just like guys that like need these games. I'll, I'll start. Yeah. I'll start off. You want me to start? You can start. I'll go with one that's fairly obvious. We've talked about him, but Eno you know, Benjamin who. Pauly talked about this last segment. He was like, yeah, you know, Eno was basically in Cliff's doghouse for a couple of years. We talked to Calvin Beecham when we were out there. So this is about a week and a half ago. And that was one of the first things he said about Beecham. He's like, yeah, he's been in the doghouse for a couple years and he is out and he looks good. And then we talked to Eno. Uh, that might have even been, that was later in the week. And I asked him, I was like, you know, hey, Beach said you were in the doghouse for the last couple of years. What's that all about? And he's like, I don't know what that's all about, but I'm just glad I'm not there anymore. But the simple fact, Tim, that if he really was in Cliff's doghouse, House and they kept him around. They clearly saw talent, right? I mean, the doghouse was probably more. You're not good at. You're not not picking up pass protection, or you're not contributing on special teams. But they obviously saw raw talent to keep him around because this was not a guy that was like a high draft pick. He wasn't even drafted, right? Oh. We always find out guys were in the doghouse
0: two years after they were in the doghouse. Yeah. Why can't we find out guys are in the doghouse eh. when they're in the doghouse? Some,
1: some guys you know when if, they're in right, the
0: Right, if you yeah, D.J. Humphreys and B.A. I'd like to know going forward, if you know somebody's in the doghouse, can you please report it
1: immediately? E- and, and Eno was the seventh-round pick. And I'm
0: talking it's to you, Paul Calvisi. All right, Paul. Paulie, play-by-play. Paul's in your doghouse now? But yeah, Paul, you are now in my doghouse, yeah. and I'm letting everybody know it. Okay, so if you know somebody's in the doghouse, let me know it. And I want to say it on the radio. Just text me, and then I'll tell it everybody on the radio. And I'll say on it the on the radio.
1: radio. <laughs> Boy, Jason Wright doesn't like that somewhere in, in Washington right now. There you go. All right, listen. I'm, look, I'm going to throw in Keontae Ingram there too. So you, just both those running backs from different perspectives. But but keep an eye on the running backs.
0: And listen, if his if his position uh, is up for grabs and he's got pressure, then then Daryl Williams needs to perform at some point. You can't just rely on your Kansas City film, and there's plenty of that from last year. He had a heck of a year, both catching and running the football, but if you know Benjamin is putting pressure on him in training camp uh, to take his job and
1: maybe his roster spot, he's got to do something in camp. I'm not worried about Darrell Williams roster spot but you're right you're the new guy and the Cardinals in years past didn't have a whole lot of depth at running back it was like oh yeah I got James Connor and you got Chase Edmonds and some guys like they've got some depth this year finally which you need because we saw last year when a running back goes down and they always well, do in a football season they didn't have a whole lot of options
0: here's here's why roster spots are, 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 are precarious Luke there's financial considerations involved here too when you decide who you're going to keep and who you're not going to keep. And if your running back room can look pretty good and not cost you as much money, and you're happy with it, then maybe the veteran who's making more money is the guy who gets shown the door. First up on my list, talked about it earlier with with Wolf, and that he's getting the start tonight. It's Andy Isabella. Look, there's no question about it. He's been a bust. It's been a disaster. We all know he was picked in the second round. It's year four now. We all know who was picked after him. It's been a disaster. How much did DK Metcalf just get? The only reason Isabella is even still here is because he was picked in the second round. And the Cardinals have been trying to save face for this pick.
1: $72
0: million. For the last three years, especially the fact that Metcalf was picked after him. It's the only reason Isabella is still on the team. But as long as he's still here, he has at least a chance to pop and stick around and maybe do something and be a productive NFL player. I think it's too late for him. I'm not sure what he can do to crack Kingsbury's rotation at receiver at this point. They're pretty loaded at receiver, They're pretty loaded. And if he can't do it in year three, how are you going to do it in year four? But for me, to watch him tonight and next week, it's now or never. If you can't pop... Against the second and third teamers of the Cincinnati Bengals
1: in year four, it ain't ever going to happen. He has, in fairness to Andy Isabella, and I know this doesn't mean much, but he has looked good in camp. He really has. Like I can't tell you how many times I've looked up and there's Isabella with the catch running into the end zone. It, but it doesn't mean okay, anything. Okay,
0: that, that and a quarter gets you right on the bus. Because yeah, in, it doesn't enough. even get
1: you right on the bus anymore. <laughs> That's right. You need a lot more than a quarter. Look, if you just it, don't look at Andy Isabella's stats. Do you remember what his stat line was from last year? I didn't know it. I just looked it up did he uh, one catch for 13 yards I was going to say did he even have a catch one catch for 13 yards like at least his rookie year he had a touchdown in the second year he had 224 yards and two touchdowns and weren't
0: both touchdowns in the same game uh, I, I that mean, might be true I, you know it, it's just he, he had, had one catch last year now it, there's, there's no possible way you can, you can paint this other than a I mean it's not just been a bust it's been a Titanic whoa, bust Greg, Greg, Greg Dortch
1: has been a monster in camp it, like there's a lot of Greg Dortch talk right now so that's another reason Receiver, Andy Isabella would probably have to jump over it's
0: been an awful pick let's just let's call it what it is and they've been trying to almost salvage it, save face, however you want to phrase it. If, if this kid were picked in the fourth or fifth round, he'd be long gone. He might not even have made it out of the first
1: camp. Now, that said, we all agree that eventually if they let him go, he's going to end up on the Patriots and be amazing, right? That's typically how these things work. But bigger picture with the receivers, when you start to look at that position battle, which doesn't get talked about quite as much, okay, you've got Hopkins. I know you don't have him in the first six weeks, but you do have him. You've got Hollywood Brown. You've got Rondale Moore. You've got A.J. Green. You They like Antoine Wesley. I know he's hurt. But, I mean, how many receivers are you realistically going to keep beyond that? Because Victor Bolden's been getting a lot of buzz. Greg Dortch has been really good in camp. Isabella, to your point, like, are you going to keep... Just holding on to him, hoping if a guy like Dorch is outperforming him. I mean that that mm-hmm. to me, Dorch, Bolden, Isabella, three guys I'm watching tonight because I think you talk about guys that need this game. You need it. You need this one. You need Baltimore. You need Tennessee. If you're those three guys, and
0: let me tell you something. When you get that deep into your receiving core, those guys at the bottom of that better be able to contribute on special teams. Yeah. I mean, there's just there's no other way there's no other way about it. When you are the sixth or seventh receiver on a on a football team, you have to contribute on special teams. I mean, that's been tried and true in the NFL for a long,
1: long time. The other name I'll throw out real quick, and he doesn't need this game tonight or you know the Baltimore game or the Tennessee game to make the team— but Marco Wilson does seem to be getting a lot of scrutiny right now from Cliff Kingsbury and that coaching staff and Paulie said it earlier when he was on with us and it's not the first time I've heard this from people that maybe Antonio Hamilton who's having a great camp might be jumping ahead of Marco Wilson even if it's just temporarily look it doesn't really matter because you're going to need Murphy and Marco Wilson and a third guy and probably still sign somebody or somebody needs to step up but Hamilton is playing well and I think I don't think they're unhappy with Marco Wilson. I just think they want to see him take another step. He was way, way ahead of schedule last year. Oh my year.
0: God, Luke! Jesus Christmas! This is their this is their starting cornerback. This is not their fourth cornerback that they're trying to take a look at. There are this many
1: question marks about their starting. Well, that's why cornerback is an issue for this team. That's a big issue. I mean, they don't even know if this guy can play. Nobody throws anymore, right? So they should be okay. I mean, you, know, you need three. They're not even sure they have two. I think they think they have three. They just don't know what order two and three are in. But I don't think they have a I fourth. don't
0: care what they think.
1: That's why they better figure it out right now, because if if Cincinnati's throwing the ball all over the field on because because Wilson's supposed to start and Hamilton's supposed to start. So when you're looking for like, hey, you know, is there anybody really worth watching this game tonight? It's really just the corners more than anybody else, because those guys are going to be starting in week one against Patrick Mahomes, too. So they better be able to shut down Jake Browning and Drew Plitt. Because if they can't, there's there's going to be a, a bigger issue there. All right, we'll come back. Uh, all of today's top sports stories in one place, Wolf and Down Your Lunch, is next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show. Tim Ring in for Wolf on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.